I'm Michael Watson, joined by Ken Braun, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. If the ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance Movement, had a guiding text, it would be the proxy preview. Put out by the corporate social responsibility investing nonprofit As You Sow, the proxy preview details all the ESG shareholder resolutions that activist shareholders, government worker and labor union pension funds, and left-of-center nonprofits want American businesses to adopt. Joining us to discuss the proxy preview and the organizations behind it is our colleague, Capital Research Center Research Specialist, Robert Stilson. Uh, Robert, welcome back. Ken, good to have you here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good to, good to be here. All right. So, Robert, let's set the stage. What is a shareholder resolution and what do they do? Yeah, shareholder resolutions are just um, proposals basically filed by shareholders in a public company subject to some conditions and stock ownership and stuff that make a request of corporate management. Um, and so the idea is that, um, you know, they will add, they, the shareholder proposal will have like some priority that they want to see the company do. They'll ask the company to do that. And then that can go to a vote at the company's annual meeting. And, and there can be, you know, they, the company can try to get it excluded. Uh, they can try to negotiate often with the, with the proponent to get to compromise and, and have the proposal withdrawn. But from, um, but if it goes to a vote, you know, a majority vote's not necessary to, to see uh, the company do something on that issue. Sometimes, you know, 20% is enough kind of mm-hmm. thing. So the idea is that left of center ESG activists, you know, that want to see a company take some sort of sociopolitical um, path that they, that uh, comports with their ideology, they will file these resolutions with companies and try to pressure them to, to take whatever that action is or stop taking a particular action. What are some examples, uh, either in the ESG context or in a non-ESG context, of shareholder resolutions? Like what some of the things that they would, res- they would ask a company to do? Yeah, I think the classic example would be like produce a report. And like what, what that report would be on, you know, depends on the topic. But like, so to take climate change and climate change is, is a major one. I think that was the largest single topic on which ESG resolutions were filed in 2023, according to the proxy preview. The classic example of that would be like, we request the company to rep- produce a report on how it intends to achieve uh, its greenhouse gas emissions reduction targets, you know, scope three or whatever by 2030 or in line with the Paris agreement or something like that. And the implication being that in producing that report, the company should be doing that. It's sort of like a way of pressuring the company to do it by asking for a report. I think that'd be the classic example. Hmm. So what is the, now let's move to the the proxy preview. This is like a, a book length document. Who produces it? What's it for? Yeah, it's long. It's it's about a hundred pages, and it comes out every year. It's produced by um, by uh, published by a five hundred one c three nonprofit called As You Sow in conjunction with a with a c six nonprofit called the Sustainable Investments Institute, and and then a for profit consultancy called Proxy Impact. And and every year they put this out uh, kind of at the beginning of proxy season, which means the beginning of the season, you know, the spring when companies hold their annual meetings, and and they profile all the ESG resolutions in there. So you go through it has. Um, you know, breaks them down by category, provides commentary on them, identifies trends and themes. And um, it's sort of intended to be a handbook for those interested in, in 
um, left of center ESG shareholder activism. And, and the quote, you know, that they, that they, uh, that they have, you know, the Chicago Tribune called it the Bible for so- socially progressive foundations, religious groups, pension funds, and tax exempt organizations. And I think it, I think it, it fits that, that description. Hmm. And then, so who, who funds it? Who, who, other than like, who funds as you sell, who funds the other groups? Yeah. So th- that's a good question, I guess. So there's who funds the proxy preview and then who funds as you so, right? So the proxy preview report itself, it, it has all sorts of sponsors. Like there's a lot of ESG investment firms out there that are, that are among the sponsors. There's, there's nonprofits, there's foundations that all you know, contribute to it. But as you so is the publisher, like I said, and that's the C3 nonprofit. They, um, they in 2021, which I think was the most recent 990 that was available, uh, they had revenue of I think around or almost six million, and then in 2020 it was more like um, like 12.7 million in revenue. And so th- their big funders are um, it's primarily foundations and other nonprofits. And the biggest one I could identify was was Soros, George Soros, uh, his uh, foundation to promote open society and the related uh, open society foundations uh, gave a total of about 1.7 million in 2020 and 2021. So that that two year period. Mm-hmm. Um, some other big ones, the Energy Foundation gave about four hundred thousand in twenty twenty. That, that's a big, that's a big environmentalist foundation. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the Tides Foundation, which gave four hundred thousand in twenty twenty one. That's that's the big pass through, mm-hmm. the big left of center pass through. There's the Ford Foundation, which is the big funder of, of everything. Uh, they gave about three hundred twenty five thousand in twenty twenty two, or committed that much, I should say. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been for a longer period than, than one year. And then there's the the Stephen Silverstein Foundation, the Wallace Global Fund, the Park Foundation, just big left of center. Your, your standard big philanthropy foundations, I, exactly. Yeah, I think I, I think if you have uh, the Wallace Global Fund and the Ford Foundation, if you're in the middle of that Venn diagram, you're pretty much a defined communist at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but Wallace Wallace Global that's the that's the litmus. Wallace Global Fund is, yeah, is as as in Henry Wallace the. FDR, exactly. FDR's second yeah. vice president who later ran as a, I don't know, Ken, you know the history of communist influence in the United States better than I do, uh, how close Henry and yeah, the Reds were. He, so so far left that uh, FDR didn't want him on the ticket. So yeah, he uh, ended up running as uh, uh, against uh, Harry Truman um, uh, for president and uh, kind of got back-channeled Without his knowledge, we are led to believe, and there's no evidence that he did know that the Communist Party USA was was kind of drumming up whatever support they could get for him, and that was an era when they, you know, had more support than most eras. So yeah, they they didn't run a candidate that year because because Henry kind of did they, what they, they needed. They thought he was good enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Uh, moving back to the proxy preview, what are the issues that it focuses on uh, how can we sort of classify all the, how do they classify all these ESG resolutions? They're classified, you know, E, S, and G, so environmental, social, and governance. And then from there, they're broken down by, by topic. And so I guess the big ones that I identified that I thought were interesting, you know, climate change, we already talked about, we already talked about how that was, you know, uh, those emissions reports are really common. The other interesting um trend, I guess you would say in the climate change area, and I've written about this before in a different context, but it's, it's very, it's common in the, in the shareholder activism context too, 
um, is, is targeting financing for oil and gas companies, for energy companies. And so a good example there, like Wells Fargo, the big bank, their, their annual meeting's next week. So they've got their proxy statement out and it's got all the shareholder resolutions in there. And they've got two that they're facing on, on financing. And it's kind of illustrative of the, of the different approaches that these can take, right? So one of them is from As You So, and um, it asks just for a report on how Wells Fargo would you know, align its financing activities with its 2030 greenhouse gas emissions targets, right? A report yeah. on how it's going to do it. And then there's another one from the Sierra Club Foundation that, that's more direct. It asks for Wells Fargo to adopt, a, I think the phrase was a, a time-bound phase-out of all financing for for new oil and gas. So just a, a, after d- after date certain, they won't finance anymore. Just to stop doing it, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the way to they think to um, to reduce emissions. To stop financing it for Wells Fargo. Um, so that the climate change was a big one. Those were the interesting ones there. And then you know there, there's other categories too. You know, corporate political influence was a big one. This is the, this is the Citizens United. Like, how dare they give money to politics that? the people who put out the proxy preview don't like. Exactly. It's, it's like lobbying, it's election spending, it's uh, values. Congruency is the term that gets used. That's a, that's a common, that's another common type of resolution, right? The, the, and so they'll say something like, we've identified these statements from the company where it says we believe this or we value this, but yet, you know, the resolution will say, well, you've given to um, pro-life candidates or you've given to candidates that are anti-climate change, or, or you'll hear the, the phrase like opposed voting rights or something like that. And so the, then they'll ask for a report, like analyzing this, this lack of congruence and saying what you're going to do about it in the future. The implication being, of course, you should stop supporting these things. So it's that, that's kind of the approach that it, that it takes. And then uh, on Continuing on the sort of social issues, uh, you 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 mentioned abortion and DEI as two of the big two of the big uh, focus issues. That's right. I think those are two. Those are two that the proxy preview certainly highlights, and two that I agree are worth highlighting trends. I think uh, if, to take abortion first because that deals with the values congruency um, approach. You know, we saw a big jump this year. I guess we should say the proxy preview identified a big jump in abortion-related uh, resolutions this year, probably because of the Dobbs decision, right? So um, there's an investment firm, an ESG investment firm called Rea Ventures, which um, coordinated, I think, uh, more than 30 of these proposals. And, you know, some of them took the approach, that values congruency approach. And um, We'll say, and um, the Educational Foundation of America, which is a private foundation, so it owns stock and can file shareholder resolutions. You know, their executive director, you know, out and out said, look, we're filing these, you know, resolutions in order explicitly to pressure companies into reconsidering their contributions to to pro-life candidates. So there's a direct political objective there in, in, in these resolutions. But, you know, you also see like the standard report request, right? Like mm-hmm. the Educational Foundation of America also asked Lowe's, you know, the, the hardware store to um, 
report on the potential risks or costs that the company will face uh, from pro-life laws and how it's going to mitigate them. You know, the implication being that it is going to face risks or costs from those pro-life. Yeah, as, as if as if we expect our hardware stores to have our multi or well, I don't know if they're multinational, but our large publicly traded hardware stores to have a established position on abortion. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that the values congruency thing. I think the uh, the the ultimate uh, wreckage of that could be seen in uh, last year. Unilever was lagging its competitors in the in the uh, whatever consumer products market you want to label that thing. It's a multinational conglomerate. One of their and they were doing it after their new CEO Alan Jope J O P E Jop. I don't know how they pronounce the name. Anyway, uh, he, he jumped into the company in 2019, right before they started losing market share to their, or at least stock prices to their rivals, and announced that all of their brands were going to have some social mission to it. So, like Hellman's was to curb food waste, and you know this is the same company that owns Ben and Jerry's. I mean, on and on and it goes. And as they began losing share price to their rivals, one of their biggest investors who wasn't happy with this, one of their biggest institutional investors, sent out a letter in January of 2022 to the shareholders criticizing their Unilever holdings and which and had a, you know, said basically a company upset. Well, the guy was, this is a quote from the letter. He said, a company obsessed with publicly displaying sustainability credentials at the expense of focusing on the fundamentals uh, you know, criticized him for that. And then this was my favorite line. A company which feels that it has to define the purpose of Hellman's mayonnaise has, in our view, clearly lost the plot. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they you know, lost it significantly. It was a double digit, you know, decline in the average um, uh, share price increase that year versus um, I, I'm trying I'm struggling to remember their rivals. But anyway, um, that that was the. I think the the ultimate nadir of uh, the values congruency when you're when you're demanding companies do things that have nothing to do whatsoever with their uh, their mission. Energy, of course, being the biggest thing in the ESG, as Robert mentioned, and uh, energy is necessary for all wealth. So it's not surprising that's the biggest thing that they really get involved in with these. So yeah. Uh, oh no, I, I was, was going to say th- like the. Um, the connection between, you know, the um, the business connection is, is often pretty attenuated, right? Like the um, like they have to make the argument in the resolution that this is good for the company, and it's it's interesting if you read these resolutions how they go about making that argument on issues that are that are not really connected to to the company's bottom line. Or so how do I, like so like how for instance would they do that with DEI? Because you you mentioned that there are a lot of these DEI ones that have been put forward. Yeah, they 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 would make the argument that diversity improves the company's performance, and and maybe there is some, hmm. you know some in certain circumstances diversity of thought, diversity of background, like you could, especially at the leadership level, like you could make that argument, right? But but the, it, it, then it goes it devolves into like, um, you know, like just quotas and stuff. Like you have certain types of people in certain positions, and it's just it, it, that's how they would go about making that argument. Um, but DEI, you know, diversity, those ones really took off after 2020. Um, you know, we had the Black Lives Matter protests and they started making that a priority for resolutions. And so the kinds you'll get, the kinds of resolutions there that you'll continue to get into 2023, like there'd be, you get the report one, obviously we've talked about this, like as you so filed more than 25 different resolutions with companies, 
asking them to report on their uh, on the effectiveness of their DEI policies. And then you'll get like racial justice audit type requests like the SEIU's pension fund put one before um, before Coca-Cola asking for a uh, for an external audit to assess its impact on non-white stakeholders. So that's that's outside the company. That's not that's not even within the company. So so um, Silicon Valley Bank had one of those kind of resolutions pending before yeah, before, before, they, before they collapsed. <laughs> so they, they didn't make it to the annual meeting. Um, so I guess one one more thing before before we move on on the sort of liberal ESG. Robert, to the and Ken, to the extent that you guys know, are these, uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, how liberal are corporate management these days, uh, and so when as you show shows up with a shareholder resolution, are they pushing on an open door, or do the companies actually not want to see this? I would have answered differently some degree a week ago because when I saw Jamie Dimon coming, uh, the JP Morgan CEO said, I think last week that he thought we should be, uh, using eminent domain to force feed wind turbines and solar panels down the throats of local communities that don't want them. Um, I would have said before that, well, maybe Jamie just doesn't want to see these things. Now I wonder, you know, I've read some stuff, explaining why he took that position and thinking that that they're maybe earlier on they weren't but now i think they are adjusting their business models to this nonsense and and you know it it isn't good for the bottom line of perhaps the companies they're funding but it might be good for the banks themselves in some cases i guess yeah i think my as far as corporate america writ large like across the spectrum of these companies that are getting these i think I think a lot of times it's just the path of least resistance is the one they want to take. And um, I also think ESG is a luxury. I think in when times are good, maybe you can afford to uh, allocate a little more corporate. You can, you can afford to bring in somebody from McKinsey to make one of these reports to, uh, and, to make these shareholders leave you alone. Yeah, I think it's, it's, a and, I think, but when the, when push comes to shove and the bottom line starts getting it impacted, you know, I think this is going to be one of the first things to get to go. Yeah. And, and, and to, 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 you know, take the other side of that on, on just how nonsensical some of these requests are, you know, ineffective. Some of these requests must be in Robert's um, essay on this. You mentioned that they had an emissions report they wanted from Lockheed Martin. <laughs> I mean, the company that, <laughs> I can't think of anything on, more emissions unfriendly than, on, a, than an F-35. Like on, this, on this drone, drone, we believe. <laughs> well, if you think about yeah. it, it's scope three emissions, right? That they want. I mean, does that include the carbon emissions that come from a blown up Russian tank? <laughs> I guess it would. Or or or, or 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 an aircraft carrier. Oh wait, those are nuclear powered. Yeah. <laughs> but truthfully, that's that's what it, I think, you know, that's what it would come down to. So, yeah. It, oh no, go, go ahead, ahead Ken. I was just going to par- parenthetically it occurs to me we should probably start doing IW prof- influence watch profiles on defense contractors <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but for that reason in particular. Um So, Robert what about the, you know, 
obviously these left-wing groups aren't the only people who can put forward uh, shareholder resolutions. Um, how does the proxy preview classify the ones that aren't filed by the left and that don't align with the left? That's a great question. Um, and the answer would have been different last year. Uh, you get a lot, um, I wouldn't say a lot, but like this year it was 8%. I think in previous years it's been something like 5% of the resolutions profiled in the reports, in the proxy preview report, um, come from conservative groups or individuals, right, a center. And in past years, um, these have been treated as, they've been labeled as conservative. Like it's been a separate category in the proxy preview, the conservative category. They changed that name to anti-ESG this year. It's the same you know, type of resolution. It's just called anti-ESG. And so we all understand the background. You know, ESG in general, as, as, a, as a policy issue, has been given pushback in recent years at a much higher degree than it has in the past. And the proxy preview addresses this too. They say that this, is, this pushback is from, the quote is, a small band of well-funded zealots who are trying to inject... Uh, politics and a culture war into basic business, which of course is is, is funny because it's only a culture war when the right starts pushing back. But you know, we, we, if, to... if we've learned if we've learned anything in the last, it, it well, it's not a war until then because it takes two to fight. Right, you got to fight back. <laughs> it's a... Otherwise, it's just a massacre. <laughs> but that's the argument that the, the, the politics. They're just trying to inject politics in the basic business is the argument. That's the, been the defense of ESG. The, the term you'll often see is do well by doing good. This is just basic common sense stuff. This is not ideological. That is the defense that's often, you know, trotted out. So if you look at these ESG resolutions that uh, formerly conservative, now anti-ESG, they're like, um, we ask the company to report on its connections to the communist Chinese government. Or we ask the company to disclose its charitable contributions. And these are four square within any technical or ideological definition of ESG. Those I are mean, I, ESG. I can imagine. I can imagine not too long ago, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, that organized labor would want to know how many factories you had in China. Sure. These are. I mean, it's just that's. Those are you know, ESG proposals. Yeah. Now, now, wait a minute. I would push back on whether requiring them to disclose their charitable contributions is squarely within an ESG thing, because that's kind of a, uh, I mean, uh, it, these are presumably the owners of the company, and they want to know who they're giving their charitable dollars to. I mean, that, you know, maybe the corporate boardroom wants to keep some of those donations quiet, but if they do, then they should, like, cease being a publicly traded company. Well, sure. I, that, that, so that gets at whether it's a reasonable request or not. But I think the the, the that deals with charitable contributions deal with the company's relations. That's values to, congru That's values congruence. There you go. <laughs> right. So so, but it deals with the company's relations to external organizations, which which okay be All classified right. as social, even even if it's something that is reasonable to request. You might say. Um, anyway. It's, so having those classified as anti-ESG really makes the argument, it really admits to the argument that a lot of folks on the right have been making that says, look, like in practice, even you know, no matter what you say about ESG, in practice, it just means left of center activism undertaken within the corporate sector. If a conservative proposal that deals with an ESG issue is anti-ESG simply because it's conservative, then ESG is by definition liberal. Yeah, I'd say that seems 
un, unimpeachable. So yep. I was surprised. It I was personally surprised that that it that it um, that the proxy preview made that decision for that classification. Yeah, you know, Karl Marx uh, famously in the Communist Manifesto predicted that um, when capitalism ended, the workers would own the means of production. I think he may have gotten it completely backwards. We're, we're going to like have lunatics owning the means of production and that's what's going to end capitalism. <laughs> well, yeah. Who owns it? I mean, it's the big, it's the big asset managers, the institutional investors. Yeah. Exactly. yeah they're not the workers. I mean, they're, 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 <laughs> if it were just the workers, the people to whose pension funds are being run by these things going in there doing these votes, it wouldn't be nearly as, well, as nutty. I mean, and even to, the ex- even to the extent that these institutional investors are holding the pension funds of, of working people, it's the managers of the pension funds mm-hmm. who are casting the votes and who are introducing these resolutions. Uh yeah, these institutional investors are are really holding all of our money, or at least you know mo- most of the money that that people have. In, I mean, the California Calpers is in this. You know, the California state pension funds for their New York state, New York state pension and, funds. All pretty much all sure, pretty much Illinois. A lot yeah. of the, a lot of the blue states are deeply involved. Mm-hmm. In yeah, that's true. There's a separation of of I guess benefit and ownership. Like you own like if your four hundred one k is invested with you know, BlackRock, mm-hmm. you get the benefit of the returns of that fund, but you don't get the voting rights because BlackRock owns the shares that make up that fund. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, before I let you guys go, uh, anything that we've missed, Robert? You know, no, I think we covered it. I mean, folks who are listening, if you want to, you know, check out the proxy preview for yourself. I mean, obviously we, we wrote the article on it, but, um, you know, proxy preview, I think it's proxypreview.org has it. I think you have to create a, an account. It's free to, to log in. So that's, that's just what I did. If you want to look at it for yourself, it's like a hundred pages long. And we also have a portal for ESG investing on our, uh, Influence Watch page, which covers all of these subjects and more, and many of the uh, companies involved in this stuff and nonprofits and whatnot. All right. Well, thanks again to my colleagues, Ken Braun and Robert Stilson, for joining us. Uh, we're going to link to Robert's article on the proxy preview in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on, Apple, on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.